0: Well, the focus of this morning's sermon, I can sum it up in one word, interruption. And uh, what I'd like you to do, uh, I'm not sure if you're a participatory congregation, I don't know you well enough, but if you do move once the sermon starts, I would ask you to raise your hand if you are either proficient, good, or great at handling interruptions. Okay, Keith, I see your hand. You're welcome to go get coffee early, because this sermon will have nothing and speak nothing to you. So just so that's clear, you have my permission. Uh, But this is for those uh, like myself who are not that great at interruptions. In fact, I'm an over-planner, and when I get stressed, I over-over-plan. And uh, Joanne, my wife, and me and my daughter joke with me about this, in that On Wednesday is my night to make dinner at night. And I make the same thing every Wednesday night, spaghetti. And they joke with me that I'm five days ahead already planning. And I was sitting here, actually, you know, we're going away. This is an aside, but we're going away to the Outer Banks tomorrow. And uh, I actually was in a giant grocery store yesterday morning buying, and I actually bought the spaghetti sauce For two Wednesdays from here, and we get Alessio's, by the way, made locally and low salt, but still has flavor. That's point number one of the sermon. We're very biblical, right out of the text. But despite the fact that all of us, except for Keith, are probably beginners at interruptions, particularly in a productivity-worshipping culture, it makes it even harder to handle interruptions. And so I think this idea of interruption not only is a good word just to name it for us in our productivity-worshipping culture, but it's also a very good word for this interim-interim time in congregational life. And that is that you have finished over a year with an intentional interim, and now you're in another interim time before your permanent pastor comes to serve. So it's an interim, interim time. So I've been thinking about that in this congregation, and I thought of interruptions, and particularly I've been thinking about this idea of interruptions over the last six months. Because when I've been reading the Scripture, particularly the Gospels, I've been noticing all these interruption stories in the ministry of Jesus. Now, if you're a biblical scholar, there's all kinds of designations of gospel stories when you spend so much, maybe too much time parsing it all out. There's pronouncement stories. There's miracle stories. There's parables. There's a bunch of other ones. But I'd like to add another one, and that is interruption stories. A whole new category. Because there are just so many, they're all over the place when you read the gospel. In fact, there are so many, it seems to me like the kingdom of God is moved forward more through interruptions than through planning. Oops, I'm sorry, but I'm trying to follow the scripture here, that the kingdom of God through the gospel, seem to move forward more through the interruptions than through Jesus' strategic plan. And so with each one of these interruption stories, I've been asking two questions, very basic questions. One, what is the interruption? And two, what is on the other side of the interruption? That's the learning tool, the way that I've used to open up these stories, stories that perhaps you've heard and read many times. Oh, I know what he's going to talk about. Maybe that's your skill, picking the scripture, knowing where I'm going beforehand. I'm not a good one to do that on. So when I take a few of these stories, let me give you some examples of stories and asking that question, what is the interruption and what is on the other side of the interruption? There's a story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus takes a boat ride and he goes across a lake and as is his custom, he begins walking into town because that's what he does. He hits ground, he walks into town, he goes to the synagogue, he sits down and he generally begins to teach. So he's on the road here from his boat ride, he's on the road into town and scripture says some man sees him from a distance sees him from a distance, and then comes running out of the cemetery, which was where he was living, and comes sliding in on his knees to Jesus and says, help me. Help me. Okay, what is the interruption? Obviously, a suffering man comes and asks for help from Jesus. The critical question is, what's on the other side of the interruption? That, for me, is where the learning began to take shape. Because this man who's living in the cemetery, as you follow it through because of this interruption, is healed. And later he begs to come to, with Jesus. Wherever he's going, I want to go with you. And Jesus tells him specifically, what I would like you to do is stay right here. I want you to go home and share the story, what happened with your family. And all I ask is that when you do share that story, you emphasize God's mercy. On the other side of this story, the man became an evangelist because of an interruption. It was not a program. It was because of an interruption. And as you follow this story, this particular evangelist became pretty well known in ten cities around his region. Story number two, just a snapshot, stopping the story. Again, Jesus is coming across the lake. That's a nice symbolic thing, one side to the other. But Jesus is coming across the lake, specifically this time, to get away from people because His ministry is growing. He's getting popular. And the disciples have been experiencing way more than their understanding. And so He says, i got to get you away to a private place. So they go across the lake. This is in John chapter 6. They go across the lake. They hit the ground. He goes a little way up a hill. He sits down. He begins to teach. And just as he's about ready to teach, out of the corner of his eye, he sees a throng of people coming out of nowhere towards him. And at that moment, he stops his teaching even before it began and he asks one of his disciples, What do you think we should do? Freeze frame, snapshot, stop it. What is the interruption? Jesus intended to have quality teaching time with His disciples. And they needed it. It was so important. It was on His checklist. It was on His iPhone. Agenda. Teach. I cannot go another day without teaching them. They're going to mess up the kingdom. And it was on the checklist, so it was very important. And what does he do? He stops because he's interrupted by a bunch of seekers. But what's on the other side of this? Again, here's where the joy comes. Jesus handles this interruption, and what does he do? He changes his plans. And one of the most powerful displays of Christ's power and mission happens because of this interruption. This choice He makes. And I'm referring to John chapter 6, which is known as the feeding of the 5,000. Just catch the significance. The most powerful articulation of His power and His mission begins with an interruption. And then today's story... That was just read. Jesus is preaching in the morning. And as is the custom, somebody invited him home to their house for dinner. And as they're sitting down and they're eating, an uninvited woman courageously sneaks into the place, sneaks into the meal, and begins to wash Jesus' feet. What is the interruption? Obviously, the woman is washing Jesus' feet. Scripture goes on to say, weeping in response to the loving presence of God. And what's on the other side of this interruption? This woman who inter- interrupts a nice meal, breaks all social protocol to do it, receives salvation. And it becomes the teachable moment for Jesus to lay out a whole new way of righteousness, a whole new way, one that's based on some very offensive thoughts about mercy and about love and about forgiveness. And so I began to think, and these stories, and these are just a few of them, on the other side of an interruption was an evangelist, on the other side of an interruption was salvation. On the other side of this interruption, there was a whole new way of being. There was a miracle that defined his ministry. And I got to thinking, could it be? Could it be that community-based ministry that many churches are talking about, and I know East Chestnut Street is, could it be that community-based ministry will need to be interruption-based if it's based on the gospel? I got thinking about that. I was wondering, does community ministry need a bunch of of interruption-savvy people and be interruption-based? Because, you know, if you're an interruption-savvy person, or at least working towards that, modeled on Christ's way of being, what is that? Maybe, maybe the spiritual commodity that's needed is availability. And interruption brings that into our lives. Because it seems to me when I look at the Gospel and I take it from a, a higher view and not just parsing one verse because Jesus did this... I do that. I'm looking at a consistent pattern over Jesus' way of being, and it seems that availability, not productivity, seems to be the quality that God uses to enlarge the borders of Christianity. Such a simple thing. Availability. Could it be? So we need to think, just, I got to thinking, okay, if that, if that, um, let me speak to those who like this kind of thinking, your linear thinkers. I want to say this is my thesis that interruption based ministry enlarges the borders of Christianity, and it's the spiritual commodity of availability that does that, and what interruption does in our lives. So the question then is what is interruption based ministry, and how can you and I become nimble? At handling interruptions. I mean, what what would interruption-based ministry look like? I mean, it's really hard because I work with churches that are working on strategic plans, vision, mission, goals, minutia, minutia, minutia. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But an interruption-based ministry at least has a little bit of this piece that it can be fluid enough to accept that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God within us, the reason why we come to church is to have that quickened within us and touched and send us out, may sometimes take us off a strategic plan. And the mindset that is developed that maybe being formed in the image of God happens by intrusion Rather than by planning. That it happens by intrusion rather than by planning. Just, I think interruption based ministry needs the nimbleness, the malleability to see the throng of people out of the corner of your eye and do what Jesus did and that is change plans. And all I'm doing this morning is planting that seed of interruption-based ministry. Because it could be a creative focus to keep in mind during this interim, interim time in your congregational life. Just simply being a little more fluid as a congregation may be another one of these foundation stones for the next season of ministry. And the other thing is, there are probably a foundation stone or two on this table that need to be removed for community ministry to evolve here at East Chestnut Street. Will I offend anybody if I move one of these? Or at least loosen it? Not this one, yeah. Because you want this one. How How many are connected to this one? And this pet peeve. And this whole this sacred cow. I can't move. Oh, they're all sacred cows. Forget it. I'll X that from a sermon, but forget it. This one. There might be something that is a foundation stone that interruption based ministry may loosen. So tucked in there, the Holy Spirit shines through in a new way. I mean, could you have too strong a foundation? That's heretical. Forget that thought. That's ad lib. You can't ad lib when a congregation doesn't know you. Back to the notes. You get emails on that stuff. But then I'd have to read them. No. Point taken that some of these do, and I believe this, I don't know what they are, but every church is in flux. That's the evolving of the Holy Spirit in our midst. That's what I want to be a part of. I do not want to be a church. You've been here 134 years. I don't want the same foundation stones with the exception of my favorite ones. But a couple of them we could all agree on. But I don't want it to look the same. So, if you buy into that, how can we as individuals... Develop this nimbleness of spirit so that we don't have all our pet peeves, so that when you're pulling them out, there's all kinds of destruction. I mean, how can you do that? How can you build up this spiritual commodity of availability that I think is necessary? Now, let me tell you what's coming next is truly subversive territory. Which means to me, it must be gospel territory. Let me just share with you one idea, one thought, on practicing this spiritual nimbleness. This is nothing new. The Apostle Peter says, I do not tire of reminding you of the things you already know. That's what's exciting about when you, when you preach and you come together and you look at the stories. You're being reminded of what you already know, but the Holy Spirit takes it in a different direction. And so, here's the thought. And this isn't too novel. Accept interruptions. Accept interruptions. It took me months, months, to realize that I need to be available and not schedule every moment of every day. So for the past few months I want to confess to you I have been purposely under scheduling myself so I have room for interruptions because I also know that I was tracking this and I would get two or three interruptions that led to meetings every week once I wrote out my schedule so I'm consciously trying to under schedule myself and let me tell you it is hard it's hard. Am I earning my money? Will he's Chestnut Street if I admit this cut back? Well, if he's not working that hard, why should we pay him that much money? Am I being productive enough? I mean, I go through all that, but it's a mindset change I think is worth it. Because as you and I both know, sometimes mindset changes are more powerful more powerful pushes on our behavior than anything else. So that's what's happening. And I'll tell you, I needed that mindset change just two weeks ago on a Saturday. That's important, on a Saturday, June 1st, I'm sitting in my car, 95 degrees heat, at CV High School, waiting for my daughter to finish with her SAT. And I'm reading a book on my phone, and the phone rings. And it's the pastor of Crossroads Community Fellowship, which is a church I oversee in Lidditz. And the pastor tells me, he says, my dad was riding in the farm preservation bike race today and he had a heart attack. Will you preach for me tomorrow? You probably have one in the can ready to go. Oh yes, I think in sermons. No planning whatsoever to an over planner who has a Lessio spaghetti sauce two weeks in advance before a vacation. Yeah, that's no problem. I get hyper about stuff. And as an over planner, I should have gone hyper. I should have stumbled around and said, Why don't you have a prayer time? But I didn't. I guess I was ready. I guess it took me these many months to get to that place in a 95 degree heat sitting under a tree. To say, This is what I'm here for. Reminds me of a James Taylor song. I'm here to be available. And if I can't be available, I don't... I mean, availability feels good, put it that way. So I preached the next day, and it went fine. It went fine. And all I'm saying is when you look at the pattern of interruption in your life, you know the times you go... You know, whatever that is. You know, you Look at the pattern of how they're building up. It might be the Holy Spirit talking to you, getting your attention, speaking what you already know. It's a matter of noticing. It's not a matter of cognitively thinking in Greek and thinking in Hebrew. And if you only knew how many stones were on the road to Jericho, the Holy Spirit would spring forth. Uh, You know, information is important. Formation is twice as important. And noticing is a formational skill. I mean, where are you getting consistently frustrated when it comes to interruptions? Again, it might be the Holy Spirit. And so I I want to get real practical here, and that is to develop this commodity I'm talking about, this thing of availability to work on it, I simply offer one suggestion. As you prepare for Todd's ministry, that is going to be the new pastor who's coming August 13th, accept three interruptions in your life before August 13th. I'm talking about conscious ones. We have a gabillion of them. Again, I'm an NF, so I have to slow down here. You have many opportunities to practice this. Just pick three. Pick three in your life between now and August 13th. Accept one interruption a month and see if in that moment you learn something more about Jesus and simply noticing what's on the other side. Take three. One in June, one in July, and one in August. And focus on it and reflect on it. What's on the other side of that? It may be Jesus speaking to you about whatever's important to you. I mean, Luke 7, one of the interruption stories. Jesus shapes it into a teachable moment. It could, be, it could have been like, you know, get off of me. Cut it out. If I get this leader of the church... I got the linchpin. I got salvation for this community. That's what he could have done. And that would have made sense. But that's not what happened. What he did was he gently used it as an occasion to confront a rules-based righteousness. And all of you know through behavioral science that a rules-based way of living leads to increased anxiety and depression way more than living any other way. So turning Christianity into rules-based is like a a, uh, crucible for anxiety and depression. Who wants to be a member of that? But he confronts this rules-based righteousness and then he tells a story to introduce his style of righteousness. And he affirms then the power of vulnerability to unleash the power of love to unleash the power of God's mercy, and to unleash the power of God's forgiveness. And he ends with a simple, helpful truth. The one who has forgiven little, loves little. I mean, just notice in this interruption, the powerful move that has happened is it that an entirely new way of righteousness is introduced and no one is killed, no one is demonized, and no one is devalued. Someone has a blind spot and is given an opportunity for self awareness, and a person who was devalued was affirmed. That's the power of interruption based ministry. And if you connect with this idea of interruption, then all I say is in this interim, interim time, consciously accept one interruption in June, one in July, and one in August. And I wonder what will be on the other side. Let's pray. Lord God, there are so many interruptions going on right now in our minds, in our weeks. And I just pray in the name of Jesus for one of those interruptions that comes along that would be a moment that would bring life, that would bring joy, and that would bring hope. Even this week, I just pray for that Lord God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.